Let's pray this morning. Oh, that's what we desire, Lord. We just want to follow wherever you lead us. We just ask that you would just look upon us this morning and uh, just see the life that we can live. See the honor that we can bring to your name, the glory that we can accomplish for the kingdom of heaven. Father, look at each one of us this morning and see us as that mighty warrior in that knowledge that you are with us. And because we know that's true, help us to just lead every day in advancing the kingdom and seeking your will and drawing closer to you and living that fearless life in the name of and for the glory of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and have a seat this morning. Okay, we start a new uh, a new series, and of course the activity year kicks off for us, so we got lots of stuff going on. Uh, but we start a new uh, new message series uh, called uh, Fearless, and um, what we're going to do in the message series is uh, look at the lives of uh, some people that uh, were able to make that move from just just being ordinary people to becoming really fearless people who live just incredible uh, lives uh, for Christ and try to just look at what they went through and try to apply that into our life and figure out how can that lead us to have that same kind of uh, fearless life. So today uh, we look at uh, Gideon. So if you brought your Bibles with you, we're going to spend most of our time this morning in Judges 6. Judges 6. So you can just flip open to that or obviously just grab the insert and, and get the message notes out and you can can uh, follow along there, okay? Uh, for the series, our, uh, our key um, verse it comes actually out of 2 Timothy, and uh, just kind of the overarching theme for the series, and I, and I think really, uh, for us at Christ Church, uh, it is going to be kind of a theme verse for us for the year, right? Uh, because I can tell you, uh, we got to figure out, not just individually, but collectively as a people, how this year... Uh, we can be fearless because I am absolutely convinced that God is going to put some big stuff in front of us uh, this year. I mean, I just see it coming and I uh, just want to tell you, uh, man, we got to really understand this so that we can live together as Christ Church and just be a fearless, relentless people uh, for the cause of the kingdom. Okay, And key to that is understanding 2 Timothy 1. And uh, just so we all get it, let's all say it together. You ready? For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Now, that was pretty good, but you can do better. I'm convinced of that. You see, if you really get this, if you really, you really let this stuff sink in, I mean, that is a powerful statement, isn't it? Okay, so let's try it one more time. Only this time, let's, let's crank on this, okay? I mean, I, let's be fearless. About saying this statement, right? This is what we need to get. Be fearless about actually believing what Second Timothy says. You ready? Okay. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Much better. Thank you. Now, if you let that sink into your bones, if you just let that sink into your bones, you're going to have a life that you never dreamed of, but God always knew that you could experience. Let me prove it to you. 
It goes to the experience of Gideon and the people of God in his time. So what's going on? Well, what's going on is if you go to Judges 6, you'll see that the people of God, they got into the land and God was favoring them and they were prospering and things got good and they got comfortable. They got comfortable in their prosperity. They got comfortable in the favor that God was putting on their life. And and you know what happens when we get comfortable, right? We get comfortable in all that. We get used to all that. And all of a sudden we start thinking somehow that life is all about us. And that somehow all the favor that we got is because of all of our own doing. And that's exactly what happened to the people of Israel. They got in there and life's going good and favor is on them and they're multiplying and the prosperity is going and everything's going good. The way the uh, the writer of Judges summarizes it says, Once again, the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So, for seven years, he handed them over to the people of Midian. What happened? They got comfortable in their own self-focus, in their own sense of self-prosperity, And they moved away from dependence on God. And when we move away from dependence on God, God lets us. Right? We we move away and we start thinking it's all about us. We start thinking it's all about the work of our own hands. It's all about our own wisdom, our own desire, our own self-understanding. And we move away from that experience of faithful dependence on God. And we move into unfaithfulness. And when we do that, when we move away from God, God doesn't move, but we do. And that favor gets removed. And so God removes his favor. And what's left? Well, what's left is the people of God now have to compete as equals with the Midianites. Because God's favor is no longer on them. They now are just like everybody else out there. And they have to compete as equals with these folks called the Midianites. Now here's the problem. When God's favor was on the people of Israel, the Midianites hated it. The Midianites resented it. For 200 years, they've been watching the people of God prosper and they not prospering. But all of a sudden, for seven years, that favor is removed. How do you suppose the Midianites are ready to respond after 200 years of putting up with those uppity Israelites? It's called get even time, right? It's called get even time. They've been waiting 200 years for this, right? God's favor is removed. And so what happens? The Midianites now start oppressing the people of God, the Israelites. It says the Midianites treated the people of Israel very badly. That's why they made hiding places for themselves. What happens to God's people? The Midianites start oppressing them And now God's people start living under the oppression of fear. Not just the Midianites. They start now living under the oppression of fear. And that's what happens. When you move away from God, when you move into unfaithfulness, what comes right along with it is you move into the oppression of fear. You know this is absolutely true, right? What happens when you do something that you know is just like outside of God's desire for you, And somehow it's just an unfaithfulness. And uh, man, if other people find out about it, that'd be bad. And so what happens in your life? You, You start living now under the oppression of fear, don't you? Somebody may find out. What'll happen if they find out I was unfaithful over here? See, that's what goes along with this unfaithfulness, right? When we start living about ourselves and we, and we move away from what God wants in our life, we start living about all about us, we start doing stuff that's unfaithful, 
and fear moves in. And we live under the oppression of fear. The Israelites are living under that oppression. They're hiding because the Midianites now, they're, they're moving in and they're attacking their crops. They're killing their livestock. They're burning their fields. I mean, they're making life very miserable for the people of God. And so they're always looking over their shoulder, wondering and worrying and living in this oppression of fear. Finally, they get it. Finally, the people of God get it. And it says in verse 7, they cried out to the Lord because of what Midian had done. So they finally turn back from their unfaithfulness and they seek God again, right? And so God responds to them. And so he sends them a prophet, no name prophet, just a word of the Lord, a prophet. And the prophet says, the Lord is the God of Israel. Now, isn't that an interesting statement? The first words the prophet brings back to them is to say, let, let, let me just remind you of something here. God's in charge. He always has been. You're the one that moved away. God's in charge. The Lord is, is the God of Israel. Nothing's changed. He's the Lord, the God of Israel. Okay? And then he reminds them how he's proved that case, right? He says, I brought you up out of Egypt. That's the land where you're slaves. I saved you from the power of the Egyptians. I saved you from all those who were beating you down. I drove the people of Cana out to make room for you. I gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You are now living in the land of the Amorites. Do not worship their gods. But, always trouble when you get buts, right? But you have not listened to me. Do you notice how many times God is reminding them what he has done for them in that text? You see it over and over again, right? I highlighted it so you wouldn't miss it, right? Just how many, over and over, God's saying, listen, if you just live a faithful, dependent life, then your life will be completely different. But when you move away from me, when you move outside of my favor, fear is going to move in. Exactly what happened to them. But God begins to respond to them. And one of the ways he responds is he comes to this person, Gideon. It says, the angel of the Lord came to Gideon. The angel of the Lord came. He sat down under the oak tree of Ophrah. The tree belonged to Joash. He was from the family of the line of Ebezer. Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press at Ophrah. He was the son of Joash. Gideon was threshing in a wine press to hide the wheat from the Midianites. See, now you've got to get this picture. Okay, so they've turned to the Lord. God is now showing up in a new way. And here is Gideon. Gideon. What's he doing? He's threshing wheat. Now, you know how they thresh wheat, right, back then? They got it all out on the floor. They got the big fork. They throw it up in the air. They let the wind blow through it. They throw it up in the air. They let the wind blow through it. All the good grain falls to the ground. All the chaff blows away, right? You get the principle? Only trouble here, where is Gideon, Gideon doing his threshing? In a hole. Okay? He's in a cistern. He's in a wine cistern, a wine press. So what they did is they'd build these big cisterns, and they'd have one cistern here that was a little higher. That's where you did the grape stomping thing, right? You know how that goes, right? You did the grape stomping thing. And then there was a lower cistern over here so that all the juice would flow from the grape stomping cistern into the other one, the lower one, where, where we'd gather all the, all the juice, right? So what do you suppose Gideon's doing? Gideon is over here in the lower cistern, throwing up the wheat, hoping that a little wind might find its way to do the work of separating the wheat from the chaff. What is Gideon doing? He's hiding. He is living under the oppression of fear, 
and hiding in a hole to try to preserve his wheat. That's the picture of Gideon. Now, with that picture in mind, listen to what God says to him when he first shows up to Gideon. Verse 12, it says, The angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon. He said, Mighty warrior, the Lord is with you. What? Wait a minute. Does he know what's going on here? Did he get the picture? Okay. Mighty warrior? Really? The guy hiding in a hole? I mean, he's the guy hiding in a hole. He's not even able to thresh his wheat properly because he's oppressed by fear and hiding in a hole. And yet when the angel comes, when God looks at Gideon, when God addresses Gideon, how does he address him? Not based on who he is but based on who God knows he can become. Did you see that? He doesn't talk to Gideon, hey, guy in a hole. <laughs> he talks to Gideon and says, mighty warrior. Wow. What does it mean? Well, the reality is God looks at each one of us, even when we're captured in fear, in that oppression of fear. He looks at us beyond the fear, and he knows what our lives can become. He knows if we just surrender, if we just get back in that favor, if we just surrender and say, it's not about us, it's all about you, God. My life is here. However you want to use it, go get it. Lead me, guide me, empower me, whatever you need. I'm all about you, God. If we get in that favor relationship of dependence and faith, God already knows what our life can become. It's the movement from being captured by fear to being fearless in faith. How can you make the movement? Look again at the verse at what the angel says to Gideon. He says, mighty warrior, followed by the Lord is with you. He's with you. What does that mean? He's not with the Midianites. He's with you, Gideon. He's with you, Gideon. See, this makes all the difference. When we understand and we receive this word that, that just convinces us that in our lives, we're absolutely different. We're not like other people in the world. We are absolutely different. Why? Because the Lord is with us. He's with us. And he didn't give us a spirit of timidity and a spirit of fear. He gives us a spirit of power. He gives us the ability to advance the kingdom. He gives us the energy, the desire, and the dreams to be able to advance to the glory of Christ. He makes all the difference because His favor gets into our life. And He sees what our life can become. Mighty warrior. Isn't that awesome? You see, it is the movement that goes from living that life that's in a hole, in a rut, right? How many people are in a rut? Living in a hole, living in a rut, and understanding, wait a minute, your life is made for more. Jesus Christ died to make your life more. Mighty warrior, the Lord is with you. Now, it'd be great if we could just kind of take that word and we'd say, yeah, I like it. That is good, man. We're going to go from fear to fearless. We're going to be on the cutting edge. We're going to move out. We're going to advance the kingdom. The trouble is we're broken people just like Gideon. And, and the first thing that happens to us is the same thing that happens to Gideon. We hear that word in our head, but getting it to our heart is really tough. And in between our head and our heart is something called doubt. We get this doubt thing going on. 
So right away, Gideon receives that word, but eh, not really completely, right? And so he begins to doubt. He says, but sir, now notice he calls him sir. He doesn't say God. He's not even convinced right now who he's talking with, right? He says, but sir, you say the Lord is with us. Then why has all this happened to us? Where are all of the wonderful things he has done? Our parents told us about them. They said, didn't the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has deserted us. He has handed us over to Midian. What's, Midian, what's Gideon doing? Well, he's looking at the situation in the eyes of doubt. And who is he doubting? He's doubting the character and the ability of God. Isn't he? He's doubting the character and the ability of God. Saying, well, well listen, if God is with us, how come? How come all this bad stuff's happening? If, if God is with us, how come? Right? He doesn't recognize what the prophet just told him. What the prophet just told him. The prophet just said, listen, you're having all this trouble. Not because of the character of God changing. No, God is still the God of Israel. He hasn't changed. His character is still the same. Why are you having these problems? Because you moved away from the God of Israel. Because you moved from faithfulness to unfaithfulness. You moved from living a life dependent and follow whatever God wanted in your life to living a self-serving, self-focused life. So now Gideon says, well, why is all this happening? Gideon, it's happening because you're in a hole. And you're living an unfaithful life in the oppression of fear. And Gideon begins to doubt. And the Lord has to just remind him, listen... I'm with you. Look at what God says. The Lord turned to Gideon. It's like a face-to-face -face encounter, which is big when you get face-to-face -face with God. He turned. He said to him, you are strong. Go and save Israel from the power of Midian. Why? Because I'm sending you. You see how God's response is? God's response is, Gideon, listen, you're going to do this because you're strong. I know you're strong. I see you strong. I make you strong. And I'm the one that's going to do it. I'm sending you, Gideon. You see, God just needs to convince us, reassure us of the reality that he is still God. And when we get that, when we just say, yes, he is, and he is capable, then fear pushes away and we can live fearless. Now, I want to tell you, some of you folks are in that place right now. You're in that rut of indecision or you're doubting whether you ought to do something. You're doubting whether you ought to get going on some ministry around here at Christ Church or, or you're doubting whether you, you ought to take an advancement somewhere else in your life and, and you're doubting whether it's, you know, I should do this and really, am I up for this and can I really come? What would God say to you if you had a face-to-face -face encounter like Gideon? You see, if it's in his will, if it's in his desire, what's holding you back? You're strong enough. He's going to come to us at Christ Church this year. I'm convinced of this. And he's going to put some big stuff in front of us. And our first reaction is going to be that temptation to start doubting whether we can do this. And the answer is, God can. God can do this. He is capable, he is big enough, and he is strong enough if we just rely on him. You see, the next step in that doubt thing is what Gideon goes through. And, and Gideon goes through and says, well, okay, maybe God, you're big enough, but me. I, I just don't think I'm up for it, right? So he says, 
But Lord, how can I possibly save Israel? My family group is the weakest in the tribe of Manasseh, and I'm the least important member of my family. Now what's Gideon doing? Okay, God, it's not about you, it's about me. I just don't see it in me. I just don't see it in me. Really? I mean, are you feeling that? Are you in that hole? Are you in that rut where you're looking at yourself and just, just saying somehow you don't measure up, somehow you just can't do it, somehow you don't have the gifts, somehow you just don't have the wisdom, you just don't have the discernment, you just you come up with all the list of the don't-haves? What does God say? Here's what you've got. I'll be with you. That's a big got. That's a big have. Gideon, listen, you can come up with a whole list of stuff you don't have, but here's what you have. I'll be with you. I'll be with you. So you will strike down the men of Midian all at one time. See, we're so easy to look at what we, we don't have, what we don't measure up to. And we forget what we do have. What do we have? We have the God who would give his only son for each one of us so that our lives can be completely different. And he would raise him from the dead three days later. This is our God. That's our God. If he can do that, do you think he can't do what he needs to do in your life? This is our God. Gideon, warrior, are you listening? You weren't given a spirit of fear. You weren't given that spirit that says no. You were given a spirit of power, and you were given a spirit of love, and you're given a spirit of possibility. And so what's holding you back? Get out of the darn hole and get fearless. Now, that's a big step. That is an absolute big step. And that's what Timothy reminds us. That's an absolutely big step. But to take that step, you've got to understand, first, you've got to get fearless about fixing your faith. Okay? To take that big step, to step out of that hole, starts by getting fearless about fixing your faith. The first thing God does with Gideon is he says, Now, Gideon, I know you're going to do this. I know you can do this, but you've got to fix something. You see, your family has an altar to Baal. I want you to go tear that altar down, and I want you to take a seven-year-old bull, and I want you to sacrifice that bull and build a new altar to me and sacrifice the bull to me. What's he asking him to do? Well, his family's in the wrong place. They're, they're worshiping idols. And so God says, listen, you've got to start, take the step, fix your faith. Get your faith up. Get your faith right. Now, this is a huge step for Gideon. It's a huge step. Do you suppose his family is going to be very happy about the idea that he's going off and tearing down an altar that they built that's been working for them in their mind? Do you think good old dad's going to be real happy when he wakes up the next morning and found, finds out that one of his best bulls, a seven-year-old best bull, has just been sacrificed? Dad ain't going to be happy. This is a big step. This is a big step. But it's the first step to fearless living. You take the step that says, listen, I'm going to get in the small group. Listen, I'm going to get in the core class. Listen, I'm going to go to the Bible study. Listen, I'm going to get in the men's group. I'm going to get in the women's group. I'm going to take the step of giving up whatever it is in my life that's holding me back and keeping me in the rut and the hole. I'm going to give up all that stuff. I'm going to give whatever it is God wants to take out of my life. And I'm going to fix my faith first. And then I'm going to move out and live a fearless life. And that's exactly what Gideon does. Gideon goes, he tears down the altar, he uh, builds a new altar to the Lord, and he sacrifices the bull. He takes the fearless step. And once he takes that fearless step, 
Now we can take the next step. And that is the public fearless step. So the next step Gideon takes, it says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came to Gideon. So Gideon blew the trumpet, send for the men of Abiezer. He told them to follow him. He sent messengers throughout Manasseh. He called for the men of Manasseh to fight. He also sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali. So all of those men went up to join the others. Now keep in mind, this horn, this call to arms, it hasn't sounded for seven years. And all of a sudden, this guy Gideon is climbing out of a hole. He fixes his faith. And what does he do? He blows a horn in front of the whole tribes, in front of everybody. He just fearlessly steps out. He just fearlessly steps out and calls them to arms and says, listen, it's time. And I'm going to lead you. Isn't that awesome? You see, here's the question. Here's what you got to think about this week. You ready? What is holding you back? What's keeping you in the rut? What's keeping you in the hole? What is holding you back in your faith? Or what is holding you back in your life that's keeping you from having such a conviction in God that you're not stepping out? That you're not publicly stepping out? See, there may be somebody in your office that you've been thinking about, you've been praying about, and you know they need to get invited to come to Christ Church, or they didn't get invited to come to a small group, or they didn't get invited, and you need to talk to them about your faith, but something's holding you back. There's somebody in your family that you're struggling with, that you know their life is just not headed in the right direction, but hey, you just don't want to shake things up in the family, you don't want to make things uncomfortable, and you just don't want to blow the horn. See, so you got to think about what does it mean for us? Because we're not like everybody else. God is with who? Us. And that makes all the difference. God is with us. And he didn't give us a spirit of timidity. He didn't give us a spirit of fear. He gave us a spirit of what? Power. Love, self-discipline. He pushes us out of the hole. He sees what our life can become. He gives us every opportunity to fix our faith. Get right, get favor, get moving, get out, get up, and get fearless. And that's what's going to happen here this year. I'm convinced of this at Christ Church. He's going to call us collectively to just do some awesome big things. Now here's the deal about living fearless. Our God is a huge God, and He doesn't do small things, right? If you follow along in the notes and the stuff I've given you, we didn't have time this morning to do, but I gave you more with the notes this time. If you follow along, there's more stuff there, and you're going to see, here's the short of it, Gideon blows the horn, 32,000 guys show up, okay? You know what God says? There's 135,000 Midianites that they're going up against. Gideon's got 32,000 guys, 135, 32,000. You know what God says? Gideon, you got too many guys. That's what he says. Gideon, you got too many guys. They pare it down. They send, pare it down to 10,000 guys, okay? They pare it down to 10,000 guys. So now it's 10,000 guys against 135,000 guys. God looks at the situation. You know what God says? Gideon, you got too many guys. That's what he says. You got too many guys. And he pairs it down to 300 guys, Gideon and 300 guys, to go up and against 135,000 guys. Why does God do that? It says in the text he does that because he wants to make sure everybody knows 
that it's by his power, by his strength, by his vision that the Midians are defeated and not by the strength of Gideon. You see, God thinks big. He's got big stuff in store for you. But you've got to start thinking big. You've got to start thinking fearless. You've got to get out of the hole. And you've got to get the same kind of vision that understands how big God is. Because remember what he told us in the very beginning. What he told through the prophet, the people of God. I am the God of Israel. No doubt about it. Done deal? I am the God of Israel. He is our God. And he has so much more for you to experience in your life. And he just wants us to live fearless. Let's pray. Father, thank you. You do. You do have so much more. You are the God who is above all gods. And uh, you are with us. Just pound that into us, Lord. Just help us to receive that so it can just push all the doubt away, that we can get our, our, our faith in the right place, we can get favor into our lives, and that we can just move out of the ruts and the holes that we're in, and we can just live a fearless life that just seeks you in everything, and uh, we can blow that horn publicly, that we can just stand out in the world for the cause of Christ. Lord, we want to come to you today as broken people and ask for your grace, ask for your forgiveness, and ask for that spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.